at this place. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Can't wait! All right. Okay. It's time for the big three. You know, hopefully you guys are enjoying your night. And hopefully we can, you know, for the next hour and a half, two hours, just give you some good entertaining talk some sports with you. Uh, look, we got the, the the regular crew back. Got Jake. Got Brett. Uh, starting with you, Brett. How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk some sports, man. Let's get it. All right. Jake, how you doing? Man, I'm great. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, super bummed I missed last week. I had so much to talk about, but, you know, stuff came up, so I'm just happy to be here. Happy to talk about the All-Star Weekend that's coming up, uh, Super Bowl, all that stuff. Just super stoked to be here. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to get into, uh, especially with the Super Bowl being the official end of the NFL season, but we'll get into that later on the show. Uh, what's going on, Jory? See you in the chat. But we got to start with, I guess, the NBA and an all-star weekend, which will have a bit of a, a different look to it. So let's pull this up here. The NBA announced, like, okay, there we go, that they're going to have LED courts for Saturday night. Uh, they're not going to for the game on Sunday, although I kind of wish they would, would be a little cooler. But I mean, look, looking at the LED, you know, that means they could probably put up stats and all the kind of analytics on the court while uh, the competitions are going on. I, I, the, the options are endless with what they could do with the LED type court. I guess the first question would be, is this something that you wouldn't mind seeing? Throughout the league, you know, every arena just going LED. And how cool do you think it is for All-Star? I'll start with you, Jake. Um, this is tough. Like, I've been thinking about this for a minute, and I think, honestly, I need – it's so many things, like, with the NBA, with the playing tournament, with the in-season tournament, I just – I need to see it to really get a, get a good grasp for it. I love the idea of uh, starting it out, um, you know, Saturday night, Get a good feel for it. See how it looks. Move maybe next year to price go for the whole all-star game. I like mm -hmm. the idea of seeing what analytics they can do, what data they can show, uh, giving opportunities for people to really learn more about how the game actually works, make it more, uh, not just, you know, go from entertainment to informative. Could be really, really cool. I need to see how it actually looks, and I'm really excited to see uh, the opportunities that it has. And who knows? If, if it looks good, I say go for it and you can put all sorts of different color schemes and variations and lighting effects and uh, intro shows into it to really get the crowd hype. Like there's a lot of possibilities as long as it's not covered mm -hmm. with ads, like the one all-star uh, was it state farm ad that's there. If it stays minimal, then I, I don't see a problem with it, but I really need to see it, uh, you know, this weekend before or all-star weekend before I make a, a big decision on it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, Oh, well, Brett, you know, what are your thoughts on the LED court for All-Star Saturday night? I think it has a lot of potential. I need to see how they use it first. 
if they use it uh, to bring us new cool court color combinations, you know, to help teach the fans the game, great. If they use it just to, uh, like, stick 87 ads on the court to really maximize that uh, advertisement <laughs> money, not going to be a fan of it. So I think it has a lot of potential. I like the idea of it. But uh, now I need to see see it in action because I think it could be really great or it really could be bad depending on how they use it. I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to use it for, I don't know, tracking scores or, you know, countdown on a three-point contest or something like that. Who knows, maybe for, uh, like, the skills or something competition, maybe they use the LED for, like, the markings on where they're supposed to shoot from. I, I don't know. But, yeah, obviously, if it just is a bunch of ads just running on it, yes, yeah, that's, that's not going to really be fun. It's not, I'm not assuming great. that's not why they're doing it, but... You never know. It's not the NFL. Like, if this was the NFL, you know, it'd be completely mm-hmm. different. They'd be trying to put commercial breaks in there somehow. Like, ads would be playing across half court or something. You know, just uh, it's ridiculous how sometimes it goes. I Also, one thing I do want to say before I forget, I want to give the mm-hmm. NBA props for being innovative, for thinking outside yeah. the box, coming up with a new idea. And be like, hey, this LED idea we came up with, it could, like Brett said, it's either, I think it's either going to be awesome or awful. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground where it's just okay. And they're like, hey, let's try it. Let's see how it works and build from it. Where so many other sports leagues, you know, baseball in particular, they're not innovative. They're not thinking of weird new ideas and being like basketball is not afraid to try something and then have it look mm-hmm. bad and then just move on from it. And I, I do want to give props for that because things like this can, we don't know what it can lead to in the future. And if it gives us a better experience for for watching then i'm all for it yeah that's a good point i mean i guess the biggest endorsement might be the actual players on the court like if they feel some type of difference in terms of you know with their steps and all that i guess that could kill it but i don't think that's going to be an issue i think they said they use like uh double thick like plexiglass or something like that to to do the floor so yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what they what they do with it. I'm surprised they're not using it Sunday because I feel like with the player introductions, they could have probably done something with the LED core for each of the players. Yeah. But uh, like you said, I guess they're going to test it out Saturday night. Maybe next year it turns into the whole weekend, and then after that, maybe they look at how how they can really expand it and and use use it to its fullest. Exactly, because they don't want it to be cluttered. It has to be kind of clean yeah. looking and then they'll be fine with it. And maybe what they'll do is that if they get good fan reaction, they'll use it in the G League like halfway through the year or in the preseason. Mm-hmm. We'll see different implementations like that too. To really, NBA is really good at using the G League for testing out how things work and how yeah. things look. I mean, one reason why they might not use a G League is just cost because it's more expensive and G League affiliates don't you know make as much money. But I could see them, if it gets real hot, just, okay, let's go to the G League this year and then, you know, speed it up another year for the NBA. Right. I guess if they just use like a G League championship game, maybe they just do it yeah, for that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, Brett, you got, I guess, I mean, last word before we move on. Oh, uh, no, no. You, we pretty much hit on all the points about this one. <laughs> all right. Uh, John, well, we're actually going to get into that right now. John jumping the gun. Who sent John the script? 
Uh, <laughs> all right, so the all-star rosters were named. These are the players that are up there. And, yes, we had to learn that, uh, well, Joel Embiid had his knee surgery. I guess he'll be out like a month at least. And Julius Randle has the shoulder injury, I believe it is. So they needed injury replacements. They went with uh, Trey Young and Scotty Barnes. Uh, we'll get into that here in a second. But looking at the teams, uh, East and West, who do you think was the biggest snub? And you could either go one from the East, one from the West, or who do you think just might have been the biggest snub overall? Uh, I'll start with you, Brett, on this one. Um, so when I look at this at first, it, it it's a tough one, right? I think a, a big snub for me is uh, I think DeMontis Sabonis should have made it. I think he should have made it over Carl Anthony Towns. It almost feels like they're rewarding okay. Carl Anthony Towns because he had that 62-point game. I think Sabonis has just been better than him all year. Another one, I think that uh, – stick with the Kings. I think maybe De'Aaron Fox over Paul George. Feels like they're rewarding the Clippers for you know just getting hot at the right time. When I think Fox has been the better player, and I think in the East, my biggest snub isn't necessarily somebody who missed the team, but I think that Jalen Brunson should have been an All Star starter over Damian Lillard. So much as I love Dame time, obviously, I think that uh, Jalen Brunson has been a better basketball player than him this year, and I think it's, I think they. I don't think it's been that close either. So the biggest snub right now, looking at this off the top of my head, give me a DeMontis Sabonis should have made it over Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. All right. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on, yeah. on the two teams? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's always really tough trying to figure out who, you know, get all 12 players for each conference. And there's always going to be snubs no matter which way you try and dissect it. It's just kind of a way of how deep the league is. If you go back 15 years and look at some of the all-star teams, you're like, man, there's some of those all-star teams are pretty slim pickings there. Um, Brett, you made some great points. I mean, De'Aaron Fox for me is the big one. He's averaging 27 points per game. The Kings are a good team. Uh, Sabonis, I thought definitely should have made it. Uh, one person, there's a couple of names I want to throw out there that I think should have at least made an argument for it. Um, I don't love this player, but James Harden has been playing really well. He's been kind of the floor general for the, the, the Clippers. He's been shooting at a high clip. It makes you think maybe, you know, I don't want to have three Clippers on there. So you really have to figure out mm -hmm. who of those threes they want there. I would put um, James Harden over Paul George uh, on that list. And then one person I think that really should be on there. Uh, is Rudy Gobert like put, give me Rudy Gobert over Carl, Carl Anthony Towns? I think Rudy Gobert is the he's back to being that elite defender that he was with the Utah Jazz. I know he had like his last year in Utah and his first year in Minnesota really kind of fell off defensively, but he's back. The Minnesota Timberwolves are a great team, and I, I know that like if we were doing the old format where you're picking teams and all that, he'd be picked last. But as far as the value that he adds to Minnesota, I think that needs to be rewarded. Uh, but also at the same time, like there's a lot of people here that deserve to be on here and it's hard to, to put them out. But my two biggest snubs are probably, or three, I guess it'd be Fox is a big one. Uh, Harden should get some consideration for sure. And, and then um, Rudy Gobert. If you, I know everyone gets hung up on him for his postseason uh, flameouts with Utah, but when he's on a team that has good defenders around him, he's, you can't you can't be exposed. Utah had bad had four bad defenders and then him in the middle, and that's why he looked so bad. 
Trust me, I'm a jazz fan. I watched it a whole bunch. Not mm-hmm. saying he's, you know, he's a top tier player like everyone some fans claim he was, but he's he's an elite defender, and I think it should be rewarded because he's a big reason why Minnesota's playing so well. I mean, that's yeah. I don't think Gobert's a name I really heard a lot of. My only thing would be like seeing Gobert in an All Star game, where his biggest skill is defense in a game where nobody really cares about defense. Like, how would he fit in? Obviously, that's not really the purpose of the all-star teams. Like, you're supposed to, if he's worthy of it, you put him in there and you, you kind of let him just have fun. But that's with how it. some people think, though. That's how some people vote on that these is things. It's the the most fun that they can have. Well, we know we know the voting is is a mess. Like, uh, but when I look at the teams, it's for me how the Kings don't get one representative is, I think, criminal. But if you're going to bring one of them on, you have to look at it and say, you know, do the Lakers deserve two? Do the Clippers deserve two? I don't know. Do the T-Wolves deserve two guys on there? I I don't know. I I think the overarching point would be, I don't know why the NBA still limits it to 12. I don't know why they haven't gone to 15 yet. I think if they had done that, that probably – fixes a lot of these issues. Um, you know, John brought up a name that I, I do like, Sengun from Houston. He's a guy who is having a really good season. You know, he he's a Sabonis-like player. It's like a, since Sabonis didn't make it, maybe Sengun wasn't even in the conversation. Uh, Jamal Murray, I know a lot of people talked about him because he hasn't been to one. I kind of jokingly brought it up like a one of them last week on one of them wire to wire. But if you're going to put Jamal Murray, it'd be tough to take off, you know, Luca or SGA or Steph. And I love Jamal Murray, but I, I don't know if I can really make an argument for him over the guards that are there. Uh, in the East, I agree with you, Brett. I don't understand why Damian Lillard's a starter, but, you know, fans vote for whoever they want. They usually just go with big names and that's who they pick, whatever. Uh,. I mean, outside of that, you know, I know a lot of people in Atlanta were upset Trey Young didn't make it. So now that he's a replacement, they can sleep easier. For me, I didn't care. I didn't need to see him there anyway. But, you know, the All-Star game is made for guys like Trey Young. Trey Young will go out there, he'll shoot logo threes, the crowd will go crazy, and, you know, be exciting, go back to the sure. second half of the season without winning a title. You know, it's, it's Trey Young's life. I think with uh, yeah. Jamal – oh. <laughs> No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was like, I think with Jamal Murray, the only guy you could guys you can really try to make an argument with him over is uh really Anthony Edwards. Because he's definitely not replacing Steph SGA or Luca. Yeah. So it comes down to who do you think's more worthy of an all-star spot, Anthony Edwards or Jamal Murray? I mean, I'd probably yeah, go Edwards by what you're saying. Mean, yeah, same here. It's tough. It, it it shows how deep the league is when we're having these situations where there's a lot of really good players like like Jamal Murray, for instance. I don't know there's like I would love Jamal Murray on my team on the Utah Jazz. He's awesome. But the fact that he's that low on some of our list of making it on there just shows how deep uh, the, the the NBA is, especially at the guard position. I mean, it is just absolutely stacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony did ask a little earlier. Why is LeBron a captain? Well, he was the highest vote getter in the West. That's why. 
So, yeah, not too much involved with that. Same with Giannis in the East. But uh, John's original question that got us here, he wanted to know who was going to replace Joel in the starting lineup. So who do you, who do you think should get the starting nod? Who do I think yeah. it'll be? I think they'll probably put Jalen Brown in the starting lineup. Who do I think it should be? I think they should go with a little, you know, more diversity in the starting lineup. Give me the Orlando Magic. Give me Paulo. Make it a little more interesting. But I do think that uh, I do think they end up going with Jalen Brown. Honestly. Yeah, I agree. I think Jalen Brown's going to be the Jalen Brown's going to be the choice there. Um, I would like to see Benchero there. Uh, I I think that'd be a cooler fit. Uh, for just what they're wanting to do for the team, but it's probably going to be Jalen Brown. And honestly, if that if that's what happens, like it's kind of hard to argue against it. It make, makes a lot of sense. Anthony said, "What about Cade Cunningham?" I mean, who who are you taking off, Anthony? Who, who's dropping off? I mean, that's true. And at a certain point, the record's got to apply something. I don't know if I want to yeah. see a all star in a three four win team. I mean, they, I know they won more than that, but I mean, come on. Maybe one day when the Pistons aren't one player away, like they've been the past like eight years. What, one player? They're like one team away. Uh, yeah. They're like 11 <laughs> players away right now. <laughs> and a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I mean, we have learned about some of the potential participants as well. I didn't do a slide for this. I just thought about it. Supposedly, Jalen Brown is trying to do the slam dunk contest. What do you think about that? I'd be cool he's with that. A, yeah, I mean, he's a star name that actually wants to do it. I'm sure the league would would love to see yeah. him do it. Yeah, give, give uh, me. I think they said like give me star names. No offense. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. No offense to Matt McClung. Like I want to see stars in the dunk mm-hmm. contest, and you know. Certain people can use it to start him, like Donovan Mitchell when he won the dunk contest. I think it was his rookie year that really helped catapult him when he had that great showing. Give me stars, give me players that want to be there that can I can get hype behind. You know, yeah, I'm all for it. I don't even if he doesn't win, if he gets bounced the first round or whatever, it's fine. Like the fact the more if he's wanted to do it and he's a superstar makes me excited. It makes me more. I think it helps the casual fan want to watch the slam dunk contest as opposed to if it's. G League guys were in there. You're like, uh, I don't need to watch it. This is just this isn't the NBA. This isn't the best dunkers in the league. It just isn't. I mean, Anthony, you can probably forget about Zion and the dunk contest. I'm sure I'd New love Orleans to see would, it. would fear the day he ever put his name in that competition. Because they'd be like, right, we kind of need you to make it through a season first before you even think about doing a dunk contest. Let's try that. We want to go for 55 games before we get the dunk contest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John said, uh, since Joel is out, can you add another player in his place? Well, they added Scotty Barnes and Trey Young to the team. So, yeah, Jared Allen and Siakam. No. Scotty Barnes is now an all star, which I guess is good for him. You know, he's a young rising player. Uh, they also had a report on the three-point contest and who's going to be in that. Um, who are the names they said? Uh, Dame Lillard, Jalen Brunson, Halliburton, Laurie Markkinen, and Malik Beasley, reportedly, will do the three-point contest. I feel like there's a name missing, 
and Steph, but I know Steph's doing, I guess, the shootout with uh, Sabrina. So I don't know how that ties into him not doing the three-point contest, or maybe he has just hasn't decided yet. I don't know. Those are some interesting names. Yeah, no, for sure. I some of, some of the best three-point shooters in the league for sure. People can look at all the names, and they're all deserving. Like Malik Beasley's been lighting it up. Jalen Brunson's been lighting it up. Tyrese has been one of the best three-point shooters in the league, so I like it. I, lo- I love Jalen Brown in the dunk contest. Maybe he starts raising the caliber of player that, you know, enters the dunk contest. So our best dunk isn't like Jericho Sims wearing Tims again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> I mean, I would be interested to see what what creativity Jalen Brown brings to it. So I will say the other ones that they report they will have are Mac McClung, uh, Jaime Hawkins Jr., and not Obi Toppin, but Jacob Toppin. I don't, I don't know if that does anything for you, but interesting group there. I mean, I mean Mac McClung had, had a great showing his first time. I think you want did. to see him back, see what he can do. I'm I'm interested to see. I guess uh, is Luca not doing the three point shooting? I have not heard his name yet. I mean, if he wanted to, because I think the names they have was only like five or six, and I feel like they usually have eight in that competition. I think we'll probably we'll probably get like the official roster at some point during the week, of course, because you know the All Star game is on the 18th. And the also starting nice to 17, so they got to kind of get it figured out pretty soon here. Uh, George said, You guys saved me from watching the poorest Pacers defense. At least their offense is fun to watch. I'll, I'll just say that. And Anthony said, So, no Luca. As of right now, yeah, looks like no Luca. Uh, I don't think they announced the celebrity game. I don't even know how much you really pay attention to that. Does that do anything for you? No, I mean, if it's on, it's on, and I'll have it there, and I'll see the stuff on Twitter and, and whatnot. But, like, I just I mainly want to see the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and then I'll watch parts of the game and, and see how it goes. I don't need – it's cool. It adds more engagement and whatnot, but I'm not going to get hyped up over what celebrities are in it. Right. Um, well, I, I, think, I feel like every time the All-Star games come up, I guess this is the last question before we move on. Which league puts on the best all-star festivities? That can, that includes game plus outside stuff like skills competitions and, you know, Saturday night. I mean, John, you literally put in the chat as I'm, as I'm mentioning Read in the, the script. <laughs> so I guess to go with John's question, we'll give John the credit, even though I was saying it first, John, but... <laughs> uh, which which sport has the best All Star game? Uh, start with you, Jake. Um. All right. So I want to. I'll be honest. I don't follow hockey close enough to really understand the the hockey All Star game format. Um, okay. I wish I just had more time for that. So of the three leagues of basketball, baseball, football, uh, football's last. Uh, the Pro Bowl is bad. I've never enjoyed watching it. The best way I can describe it is it's just depressing um, because real football is over. Like, I don't want to watch 
you know, a scrimmage pickup game when I know I have to wait till August for a preseason football. Um, I don't really get into the, all the other things. Baseball weekend is pretty fun. The all-star game is good. The home run derby is really fun. Um, I'm still going to give the top credit to the NBA. I feel like they are the most progressive, most innovative, and they try and have the most, uh, I guess, experience for the, for the audience and for the fans. But baseball does, does it really well, and they don't change a whole lot of things, but they do it really well. And so I'll go NBA one, baseball close second, and then NFL is at the bottom. I don't watch hockey and I'll put hockey third because the NFL is just, for me, it's just, I just won't watch it. It's just too. And again, part of it's just because it's too depressing. It's just so sad that the season's over. Okay. Brett, what, what sport has the best all-star game? So I think that surrounding events, like outside of the game, I love the NBA, the dunk contest, three-point contest. The actual all-star game itself, I think it's the MLB. It just seems like the most competitive every year. NBA just kind of jogged up the court, shoot a three or throw up a lob, and then go on the other end, do the same thing. And it's pretty much just like a glorified like scrimmage with friends. So I do like the three-point contest, like I said, and the dunk contest. I think that puts it higher. But I think if we're going just by what has the best game itself, I think it's baseball. Okay. Uh, let's see, John Sanderit is mine. Once again, the voodoo doll that he keeps referencing. I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to confirm or deny that. Can't say the NBA because they don't play defense. That's a big part of it. Uh, what's going on, Riley, over on Twitch? Uh, Anthony says the MLB. And John said didn't mention golf. I completely slipped our mind. Then Jory said it changed for the better the NFL has. I will say this. I, I did not know what I thought about the NFL going to flag football at first. I will say I like it a million times better than what the actual Pro Bowl game turned into because I get it. It's kind of tough to ask players who just played 17 grueling games on technically a week off to meet up in Orlando or whatever and then now ramp it up and play a real game. That doesn't mean anything. I, I felt like that was a little bit much. You know, it, it worked in the past. You know, today's athletes a little bit different. I think at least with flag football, they seem more invested in it. You know, you'll get trash talking and all that. And I think at least in that aspect, I like that. I'm glad they've kind of turned towards the skills competition-esque with their Pro Bowl games. You know, dodgeball is just them being kids again, but at least they're into it. So I think that way the NFL is definitely better than it used to be. Now, Jake, I will say for the NHL, since so you don't you don't like get into it, their skills competition might be the best, arguably, because like they do hardest shot and stuff like that, where I feel like the crowd really gets into it. So th- their game is a little bit weird because they change the rules; they go like three v three. Which I guess for hockey, it, it's not that bad. Just more open ice for guys to showcase their skills. Uh, but I would say the best ones might be MLB because it's like the most like the game you normally watch. Which is interesting because it's not really for anything. They tried that, failed miserably at it. But you get really cool moments. You know, sometimes you'll get a performance like a Pedro did. Um, 
what was it, at Fenway Park when he struck out like the first four batters. You get stuff like that. So it's definitely a better game. I would love to see the NBA get back to what it once was. Like you said, Brett, maybe the fact that Jalen Brown actually wants to do the dunk contest, maybe that changes how some players feel about it. I mean, look, the, the time of like LeBron clearly has passed us by. He's not going to do it at this point. He didn't do it when he's younger. He's not going to do it when he's 39 and 40. Maybe, maybe he surprises us one year and then whatever. But, you know, Jalen Brown does it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we get Donovan Mitchell who wants to do it randomly one year again or which I think are like really good dunkers in the NBA right now. I mean, if Zion ever got his health under control, if he did it, the internet might blow up, but. That would be must watch. That would be must watch yeah. for everybody if he could do that. No, even the most jaded NBA guys would watch that, even if it's just a clip on on Twitter or whatnot. And be like, "Holy crap, that's fan, that's amazing!" Yeah. And it would reengage him. But he has to be healthy enough to play. Like I get why like, the Pelicans are going to be like, "Hey, dude, don't blow out your knee when you can't even play fifty games for us." Yes, that's the last thing we need. Uh, let's see. Anthony said, who leaked the script for the show? I I don't know. Apparently, John got it without us knowing. Uh, Anthony said, the NFL Pro Bowl should be AFC versus NFC like it is in basketball or baseball. That is a change. Well, don't they do that? I thought, I thought, yeah, they, they I thought do AFC versus NFC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the, the flag football game is like a cumulative point system with all the other competitions which i like i said i think the nfl can do more maybe like a fastest man type thing i i don't know there, there's room for improvement but it's definitely in a better situation and then john said come on you know you're all waiting for home run derby see a dinger bounce off one of those kids i'm i'm surprised it does not happen a lot more because they're lobbing these pitches in and guys are hitting them like 100 miles an hour you got to just groups of kids just bunching up I think like last year, one kid got hit, but it doesn't happen all the time. I guess baseball's kind of lucked out that way. Uh, so Anthony's clarifying. I mean, not playing football, they should play basketball. Oh, okay. That could be fun. Like the wide receivers and defensive backs who do already good at trash talking. They're athletic. They're tall. Like that could be fun. I could see that. Yeah. I guess it'd be cool to see a wide receiver dunk on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whole new uh, definition for Mossed, right? Just dunk on somebody. You've been Mossed. Yeah. It's ESPN <laughs> running away with that. Yeah. All right, so the Pro Bowl games, did you watch any of it? I, I didn't watch it. I had a whole bunch of other, uh, uh, you know, adult real life stuff come up, so I wasn't able to watch any of it. And again, it just makes me sad knowing the football's basically over. Like, it's just. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, John's asking Super Bowl predictions. We'll get there, John. Calm down. We got you. Uh, there's one more question I want to ask. Uh, okay, so best event for NBA All-Star. Which one is it? Is it the game? Three-point contest, dunk contest? The, what was it skills competition? Which one's the best event? Ooh. Um, for for me, it's the one that I make sure and watch the the whole way through is the dunk contest. Uh, even if the big stars aren't there, 
I want to watch the dunk contest. I want to see the big, you know, the big posters, the big jams, the cool stunts that they're going to try and do whatever they try to do to spice things up. For me, that's the one that has the most unpredictability and the biggest potential for holy crap moments. Uh, the basketball game is fun. It's there's no defense and it's just kind of uh, just jogging up back and forth. It's fine. It's nothing great, but it's fine. And the three point contest can be really fun. But for me, it's the, the dunk contest is the one I have to watch. I think the three point contest is like the most consistent one. I think that's always entertaining. I think the dunk contest is high risk, uh, you know, high reward. It's really boom or bust. So. I think the three-point contest is consistently entertaining. Dunk contest, it's really hit or miss because some, you know, some we get like the 2022 one, which is really bad, or sometimes we get, you know, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. It just really all depends on who's in it. I think the dunk contest, when it's on, can't be touched by any other event. But, you know, I think consistent, consistently the best event, probably the three-point contest. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Three-point contest is the one for me that I I absolutely have to watch because that's the one that the, the bigger names have not really run away from, whereas we've seen a lot of these big-name players not want to do a dunk contest. And once again, I, I guess I understand because for a dunk contest, you have to be creative. You have to be able to be engaging for the crowd, even though I'm going to use LeBron as, a, as an example once again. If LeBron literally walked up to the rim, just jumped up in a simple dunk, the crowd would go crazy just because LeBron's actually in it. That's one of the reasons why I'm like, I don't understand why he never did it. I think one time he said, like, he he's not creative enough to do dunk contest dunks. You could do that dunk you do in game, your little like your tomahawk dunk. They'd probably give you tens for it. You could do that back to back and they'd give you tens each time. Not, they're not looking for you to do, you know, NBA jam type dunks. <laughs> they, they just want to see big names actually want to do it. Just the competitiveness of it. Yeah, I was going to say LeBron's LeBron's kind of more of an in-game dunker as opposed to like a dunk contest dunker, which you know, there's a pretty big difference between the two. In game, if he can get into the flow and throw down some sweet jams, dunk contest, you really got to plot it out, get creative. So, I think he's almost done it a couple times, but unfortunately, it just never worked out. And that—that's probably it in all reality. He's probably doesn't think he's creative enough to really, really, you know, win the whole thing. And when you're as competitive as LeBron, you, you hate second place. I feel like there's a joke in there. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for that one. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, LeBron says that, but then he'll randomly do like a pre-game dunk contest type thing at certain arenas, and I'm like, see, I don't want to hear you say you can't do dunk contest dunks, and then you do them in a pre-game warm-up line. He's afraid to lose. I I, look, I'm a huge LeBron fan. I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron fan, and he's just afraid to lose. He's afraid to look dumb. He's afraid of the media backlash if he goes to dunk it and he he miffs it. And, and it happens. Like People go up and it hits the rim. You got to try again, and he's, he's too much of a perfectionist to leave it up to chance and to lose. And whether it's right or wrong, I, I, think, that's, I think that's the reason why, is he just doesn't want to lose. 
So Anthony's saying he wants to see tricks, not basic dunks. So I guess Anthony wants, you know, dunking over Kia's and stuff, bringing all that back. Not I over mean, Kia, I, just over the hood of a Kia. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it was still impressive, but yeah, he did only go over the hood. No, it, it is impressive. I just, hate when people, yeah. I just hate when people say he jumped over a car. It's like, no, he didn't jump over a car. He jumped over the hood of a car. That's Let's get a little more specific here. It's not like he jumped over a truck. I mean, I couldn't so do it, but I mean, it's... John says someone should light a campfire and dunk over it. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I will see. We'll see if Mac can... I guess recapture the crowd like he did last year. And I don't know, Jaime Jaquez, you know, he's he's definitely making a name for himself. This could be a moment, like you said, Jake, uh, for a guy who might be a little bit unknown to some of the NBA fans. If he goes and has a great show in an NBA dunk contest, he could become more of a household name. Yep. We'll see. Uh, I think I caught up on the chat. All right. So I do have one more NBA topic left, but let's do a quick word from the network first. What's up, everybody? It's Control Sims with Wire to Wire Sports Podcast, where we're going to cover all things breaking news, sports related. We're going to preview games, and we're also going to give you our reaction to the games that have happened before. You can catch us on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And if you miss us there, no worries. You can also catch us on Roku with Northeast Streaming Sports Productions from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Hey, and listen, if you're not into all sports and just NFL, we have Sideline to Sideline. That's on Thursday nights from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8 p.m. We'll break down the NFL week, the Thursday night game, and we'll preview all NFL action. And if you're like me and college football is your fix, tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for Coast to Coast College Football Pregame Show. We'll review the previous week's action, the day's biggest games. We'll give you our pick and we'll even give you some teams that are on upset alert. And if you don't catch us live, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We do also have a YouTube station, Wire to Wire Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're back with Brett's team. I feel like every every time we do a show now, there's some story about the Bucks, uh, And now everybody's been talking about this moment where Giannis went to the back and duck, whatever, was trying to insert him into the game. I I, I feel like the, the only question that really needs to be asked is, is Giannis like miserable in Milwaukee all of, a, all of a sudden? Or is it just him, maybe his competitiveness, and he has such a desire to win another title that he's just frustrated right now with the direction of the team. I, like, I don't know. Brett, you know, this is your squad. What do you make of all this drama all of a sudden from the Bucks? Like, what, what's going on? So when it comes to Giannis, I just think at the end of the day, because, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Kyle, because you've seen him compete against your Celtics. He, he's just the ultimate competitor. He wants to win. He hates losing. He wants to win at all costs. It doesn't matter. This has been a very... This season has been in complete turmoil for Milwaukee. And it's weird to say that, right? This is a team that's third in the East. They got like, mm-hmm. what, off the top of my head, like they're like 31 and 16 right now or something off the top of my like that. But I just think, I don't think he's necessarily unhappy in Milwaukee. I think he's unhappy with everything that's going on 
with the uncertainty of the coaching change or on a little bit of a losing streak since, you know, switching to Doc. So I I don't think he's unhappy in Milwaukee. I think it's everything that's going on around him. He hates losing. He is an ultra-superior competitor. Like, he just wants to win. Now, do I think he went about this the right way? Not at all. You don't just walk off the court while the coach is trying to sub you into the game. So I do think he went about this the wrong way. And at the end of the day, because we've heard it, Giannis has said, I I, I want to win. I want to compete for titles. And he's even gone as far to say, if Milwaukee stops trying to compete for titles, I'm going to demand a trade. So this is a guy that just wants to win at all costs. And it hasn't been easy. It's been a frustrating time. And I think this was just a frustration from the season boiling over. But I do not think he went about it the right way. Okay. Uh, I mean, Jake, you make anything of what's going on in Milwaukee right now? I mean, for the, Brett, you said it perfectly, and I don't want to try and like add anything to it because you're the Bucks guy. You know more about it than I do. But my big takeaway is from what I know of Giannis is he's you know he hates to lose, like you said, he's super competitive. He wants to win. He knows what's at stake for his legacy. He knows that if he gets you know one or two more titles he's really going to start to climb up that all-time NBA great list because he's that talented. He has multiple MVPs. He gets multiple championships. Then you start saying, okay, is he, you know, when is, what does he start to do to top 12, top 15 all-time? And he wants that. And I think another thing that he's really, uh, I could be wrong. This is just conjecture. So correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but it feels like Giannis gets really frustrated when the team's not being very physical, not playing hard defense, not doing those effort stats that we saw that they had with Drew Holiday, uh, you know, lot past few years, I, I feel like he gets really frustrated with things like that in that nature. I wouldn't say that he's miserable or unhappy, but I could definitely see a situation where if this season just continues to fall apart, he's going to realize, hey, this this isn't going to work. This team just isn't constructed to win. We don't have any any good defenders on the perimeter, and maybe he does ask for a trade. Uh, is it the right thing to do? It's kind of hard to say because. Milwaukee's literally put everything that they can into this. But but to say that he's unhappy might be a bit of a stretch. I just think he's unhappy losing and maybe with some of the effort of his teammates. But, you know, I'm not watching this team every single night like you are, Brett, so I could be wrong there. I mean, look, I I, I don't know. I think we talked about this a little bit last week as well, but it just seems like Giannis has – you know, been more vocal and demonstrative this year than years past. You know, he, I think his reputation, I mean, we just saw Anthony put in the chat, he's a crybaby, a.k.a. LeBron. That's something you would never have seen anybody say about Giannis up until this season. The way he's going about it, it's almost like he's given up on the team midseason and kind of writing them off as just not good enough where I've always been under the assumption that, you know, not everybody's going to have a perfect season. There's going to be some bumps in the road, but once you get to the playoffs, as long as you are in it, you have a shot. Like I'm saying, Giannis is making it seem like, even if we made the playoffs, we're not going far with this team. So maybe this is him publicly telling the front office, you got to do something with the framework of this team. Like, okay, you brought in Damian Lillard. Fine. That helps us offensively. It gives us nothing defensively. We're already an older group. Get me a young guy. 
young wing player. I don't care. Give me somebody who a 3 and D player or something like that. If this is his way of doing it, once again, I'd rather he do it behind closed doors with the front office and we don't see stuff like this because, I mean, say what you want for Doc, but you know, he's now the coach there. And stuff like this just kind of undermines him. And another newsflash to Giannis, you can't really go through another coach at this point. Because now you're starting, because then you'll start getting the label as a coach killer. Because he's gone through, what, this is the third in under two seasons? Like, he has to kind of stick with one. And maybe Doc is the guy. Whether that works out for Milwaukee or not, we'll see. But I just feel like Giannis has to rein it in a little bit. I get it. You can be frustrated because you're third and you're not dominating this season. But you're still a playoff team. Based on matchups, you don't know what this team can do. So I I just think it's a bad look for a guy who's supposed to be the leader of the team, constantly seeing stuff like this or or reading about uh, issues in Milwaukee. I feel like he just has to kind of go with the guys he has and get them as far as he can. And look, the trade deadline is what? Is it this Thursday or next Thursday? This Thursday. Okay, so we'll see if the front office is paying attention to what's going on. If, if the Bucks make a move, maybe it was all for, for a reason. But Giannis has to understand, if after Thursday it's the same team that he's with, he can't do this. He's got He's got to be the leader of the team. And, you know, if it's him partnering with Doc and getting the message across to some of these guys, then he has to be the one to do it. So... I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with Milwaukee at this point. Yeah, it's and it's sad. Like I'll say this: that uh, for my for my fandom of players that aren't members of the Utah Jazz, Giannis has always been one of my absolute favorite players. I've loved yeah. watching him grow, how he turned into, and I'll I'll say this until like well, like my deathbed, basically that that 2021 Finals run that he had, where he just leveled up. What Super Saiyan was mm-hmm. top ten moments for him. And I want to see that again. I want to see greatness like that again. So that's whole situation, you know, just as an NBA fan is just frustrating. It's just frustrating because this team should be better. And you make a great point, Kyle, like get to the playoffs. As long as you have, if you're a top three or four seed, you're going to be fine. Everyone's zero, zero, go into the you know playoffs with some momentum and then just focus on your matchups and focus on what you can do. And when Giannis is at his best, like no one can stop him. So the frustrating part, like you said, is him kind of quitting on his team when you should just say, hey, let's figure this out. Let's use the regular season to kind of figure out where we're going, maintain a top four seed, and then in the playoffs, we should be hitting our stride. We saw that a lot with uh, LeBron James in the Heat. There were a couple seasons there where they didn't care if they finished the number one seed. They All they cared about was having home court and having things figured out for the postseason, and they end up winning uh, two championships with that that mindset. And at the end of the day, with uh, the since Doc Rivers took over, I know everyone's looking all at just at the record. It's not all mm-hmm. doom and gloom, right? If you look at the defensive rating since Doc took over, the Bucks rank eighth best in the NBA. So Doc's already having a profound impact on the defense. We'll see what happens at the deadline. Like I do agree that we need some more point of attack defenders. We need to get younger. We need to get fresh legs. But Doc's already actually having a good impact on the side of the ball where you need it the most. So if Giannis and Lillard can come in, bring their A-plus game in the playoffs, 
and we can kind of figure out a rotation and who's just playoff ready going forward. Like this team should still be a title contenders. They should still be perfectly fine going into the postseason. I, I agree. I'll say this is, you know, I know what I'm going to say is about both of your teams. The only team, mm -hmm. if I'm the Bucks, that I'm legitimately looking at with concern for a seven game series matchup with is Boston. Every other team, if I'm Milwaukee, I, I'm like, we're fine. We can handle them. The Sixers will be tough. The Cavaliers could be feisty. The only team that I'm fearing is Boston. So you have to figure out between now and, you know, May, how are we going to match up with Boston? What do we need to do to get to that, to get to a point where we can match up with Boston? Like they're, they should be fine. They should be great. Just worry about getting to that point. Yeah. Uh, there was a question here from John. Here we go. He want to know who had the best month of January, the Knicks, Cavs, or the Clippers? Uh, I mean, I will say, I might say the Knicks. Uh, I feel like the Knicks. I feel like that they're a team that's really gotten behind Jalen Brunson, and you know his toughness and all that have really elevated them to the point where. You know, Stephen A can't do anything but smile about his Knicks. Obviously, they have to do it in the playoffs. One, two, the Julius Randle question is still out there because once he comes back from the injury and once he gets into a playoff situation, how effective will he be? Because I do think even though Brunson's their best player, Julius Randle, for better or for worse, is the X factor for the Knicks. And that's kind of where I'm holding out with them. But for the month of January, they, they had a, a, a great month. So I, I, I'd say the Knicks had the best month. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I'll just I'll keep this kind of short. For me, like all three teams had great months. The thing is, I knew the Cavs were, were going to be a good team. They have tons of talent. We knew the Clippers had tons of potential. I really didn't believe in this Knicks squad. I love Jalen Brunson. He's a fantastic player. But I didn't think this Knicks team could be can make any sort of noise in the Eastern Conference. I thought they were a first-round exit team. This month that they had in January, they looked really good. They answered a lot of questions that we had about them. And now you have to look at them as a team where if you're matched up in that 4-5 or a 3-6, you're, like, you're like, man, like for Philly, like you're, I don't want to play the Knicks. Like After the month they had, like they don't want to have anything to do with the Knicks where they could be a legitimate first-round upset. And before, in you know, in December, I didn't think they were going to be anything close to that. Yeah, I think it's the Knicks, too. I still think that the Knicks are going to be a second-round exit. I think they'll destroy whatever team they run into in the first round. But credit to them. They uh, made the big trade. They got OG. He's fit in seamlessly. Jalen Brunson's a baller. At the end of the day, it'll all come down to the X factor. How does... How does Julius Randle play off the ball? Can he play without completely stopping the ball and blowing up the offense completely? So just in the month of January, though, I agree. Knicks won 14-2. and two. A lot of convincing and dominant wins. Give me the Knicks. All right. Anthony had – who won the dunk contest last year? Have you heard of them this season? Just saying. I get that point because it was Mac McClung, who was a G League player. Pretty sure he's still a G League player. But I, I do think it was 
a good move from the league because they have such a hard time getting NBA stars to do it. Why not bring in G League guys to expose fans to some of the, the players that the G League has to offer? So, yes, you haven't heard anything from him this season, but on a good show. Uh, John said, talking about uh, Giannis, hold on, he's not Jason Kidd to be labeled Coach Killer, LOL. And then I guess John with a bit of a trade proposal. Dorian Finney-Smith, Harry Giles, Trendon Watford, trade away Lopez, Connaughton, AJ Green, round two pick. I think the Nets said they're looking for two first Harry rounders at least. Finney Smith. So I don't think that happens. <laughs> but I like the creativeness. Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee's problem is they don't have good first round picks to put into any trades. Like they, yeah. they've used them all up. Only issue John has with the Knicks is Randall turns into a playoff Rudy Gobert, aka Ghost. Ah. Yeah, Julius Randall definitely has. <laughs> I mean, Randall definitely needs to have a, a good playoff showing. I don't know if I'd go playoff Rudy Gobert, but yeah, I get what you're going See, with it, John. That, that's my beef with that comment. It isn't even anything to do with Julius Randall. Guys, Rudy Gobert is just fine in the playoffs, actually. You go, well, he got picked apart in Utah. When you put together four absolute traffic cones around him defensively, he's not going to be able to pick up the slack there. Come on now. And last year, they just happened to run into the champion Denver Nuggets. There's Jokic was on an all-time heater. And even guys like Anthony Davis, who had an argument for DPOY, they couldn't touch him. So mm-hmm. that was more so to do with Nikola Jokic than anything than, than I had to do with Rudy Gobert. Thank you, Brett. As a longtime Jazz fan and who, someone who loved Rudy, I hated the, that label that he got because those defenders were garbage. Complete, complete garbage. And this Minnesota team has good defenders, so I expect Rudy maybe not have an outstanding postseason, but at least, you know, a good postseason. Yeah, when when I'm watching guys run into each other in the pick and roll like I was watching Utah (laughs) doing, like I couldn't couldn't make it through their games because the non-Rudy Gobert defenders are so bad. I'm sorry, I can't do this. I'm sorry. And I loved watching Utah basketball. I loved watching it. I loved watching, you know, when Gordon Hayward was there. I love watching Demich and Jamal Murray duel, but the defense got so atrocious to a point those last couple of years. I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. And that's why we all wanted the trade to happen. As even like, I love Rudy and he's going to have his jersey retired in Utah and it's great, but it had to change. It just had to change. I mean, I can agree with that. I mean, for Minnesota, their, their biggest things uh, for the posting is going to be offensively. And Anthony Edwards, because he's such an important part of what they do in his athleticism. I think at times last year he fell a little bit in love with his perimeter shot and then really struggled from out there. So if he can, you know, kind of keep up the, the pace that he has right now, Minnesota could be an interesting team out west this season. I think uh, Minnesota's uh, going to have a Carl Anthony Towns problem than anything. I think I, I think Ant's going to be just fine. Carl yeah. Anthony Towns seems to get a lot of his shots, though, by hijacking the flow of the offense and doing whatever he wants, which is not something you can do. you got to stay within the scheme. I get it. At times you need to freelance, but he freelances way too much. Like that 62-point game, 
he a lot of his shots came with him completely disrupting the flow of the offense, and he was on one, but it's not always going to fall for him that night. And a lot of the nights he's just disrupting the flow of the offense and then just throwing up bricks. So, yeah, and they lost that game too. Like he got benched. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's all I have for the NBA. So we're gonna go head over to the NFL now. But another word from the network. Hey guys, it's Pavel the Cat and Evan Rev Reynolds, and we are two guys in hockey talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two. And you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys. So make sure you tune in, comment, like. Give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys. And it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. Two guys. That's two guys in Hockey Talk. You catch them on the network tomorrow night. For all your news and everything around the world of the NHL, uh, even if you're not an NHL fan, you can still tune in and learn something. So looking at the NFL before we get into the Super Bowl and, and all that, the head coaching hiring cycle has come and gone. All the positions have been filled. There's some surprises, some not so much. You know, we all figured Harvaugh would probably take the Chargers job. Uh, that was the obvious one. All the way down to, I don't know, Dave Canales with the Panthers. Maybe that was a surprise of the coaching carousel. But I did see an interesting trend in a league that, that has been so offensive-minded for so long. Five of the eight positions were filled by defensive-minded coaches. So I, I, mean, I asked this on Cheap Seats yesterday. So if you saw that, then you probably know where I'm coming from. If not, I'll definitely get into uh, get into it once again on here, but is this a trend that we see going forward for the next couple of years of some teams maybe going defensive? And also another trend is a lot of these teams went with youth and inexperience as their head coaching positions. So what do you make of the head coaching cycle for this, this off season? I don't know whether it's a name you expected to see, but you don't, you know, uh, teams leading defense over offense and a lot of inexperienced coaches getting jobs. Like what, what will we remember this coaching cycle for? Uh, start with you, Jake. My first takeaway is uh, the biggest shocker for me is uh, you could say like the greatest coach of all time doesn't have a job. And you could say that one of the hottest available coaches, uh, the Titans coach, uh, Mike Vrabel or former Titans coach Mike Vrabel didn't get a job like 
very, very weird coaching cycle is my takeaway from it. There are a lot of good candidates here. Uh, I think Antonio Pierce was fantastic. Gerard Mayo, I think, is going to be great. Uh, Harbaugh is obviously a huge name. And Mike, Mike McDonald for Seattle, I think, is going to fit really well. There's a lot of hires that I liked. But there's a lot of weird stuff that just felt kind of odd. Like Bill Belichick needed multiple interviews with Atlanta and then not getting chosen. We had all the Ben Johnson drama between Washington and Seattle where, uh, as you know, reports are saying that uh, Washington was flying to Detroit to do another interview and mid-flight he called him and said, hey, I don't want the job. I want to stick stay here in Detroit. It was a weird, weird cycle. Um, and uh, I think... I will say for the defensive side of the ball, we do see teams that have good defensive coaches and good defensive uh, cultures do really well in the postseason. And that really comes down to the staff that you build. We see that with Kansas City. They have a great defensive staff. We see that with Baltimore, great defensive minded stuff. And they can, you know, good in the regular season. We kind of flame out in the playoffs. But it's just a weird cycle. That's my biggest takeaway. It's just weird. Um, the one hire that I like the most is probably Raheem Morris. And that's me being a snarky Saints fan because I was terrified of Bill Belichick fixing the Atlanta Falcons and coming in and fixing that defense, getting a good coordinator, finding a good quarterback. And instead they go with Raheem Morris, who they already had in the organization before previously. Uh, I like that one, but that was, it was weird. It felt felt weird. I feel bad for Washington fans that live in their market. The, the Dan Quinn hire definitely felt like a panic move after Ben Johnson left. So my takeaway from this year, we're going to look back and just go, man, this was weird. Belichick didn't get a job. Rabel didn't get a job. Something feels weird. Like if I was Washington or Seattle, I would be hounding for Mike Rabel over, you know, Dan Quinn, for instance. Yeah. Uh, John said, I think Dan Quinn will get let go. will let go of Eric Bieniemy, and Eric will end up with the Seahawks. Eric well, Bien-Aimé's we do know that Bieniemy has, yeah, has already been uh, fired because they brought in Kingsbury, Kingsbury to be the OC. Yep. And I actually thought about that. I could see Bieniemy in Seattle to pair up with Mike McDonald because kind of like what the Patriots did with Jerron Mayo, young defensive coach, they got a veteran offensive guy to run the offense. It would make sense. Mike McDonald, young defensive coach, if you got – Eric Bieniemy, experienced offensive coordinator, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, Eric Bieniemy should go to Chicago. I feel like Chicago hired somebody, didn't they? Or didn't they, they did, and and I think they hired someone good. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was a good hire. I don't know. Where's our Bears expert? Where's Damien? Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Damien's probably you know thinking of some crazy hot take to to add to the chat in a second here, but actually I'll have to look that up to see who Chicago took. Um, John said, dang, forgot about Kingsbury because I was thinking he was going to go to the Raiders. Yes, he was supposed to go to the Raiders and then that fell through and he ended up in Washington. Uh, but Brett, how, how, like, what's your takeaway from this hiring cycle? That's right, Shane Waldron. Thank you, John. Waldron's the Bears OC. So first, I think it's really uh, bold to admit to your fan base that you're tanking before the season started. So great job, Washington, for uh, really following through on the tank job for next year. <laughs> Overall, I I enjoy it. I think that uh, we're seeing a more shift towards youth. We're getting a little bit of a youth movement among coaches. We're not we're not going with a lot of retreads like 
looking at this list, we have two retreads, Dan Quinn and Jim Harborough. But at least with Jim, he's a winner everywhere he goes, so that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely enjoy it. I think the shift to defensive coordinators won't really last, or the defensive side of the ball. I think that at the end of the day, when it comes to poaching coaches, offensive coordinators go first. So I almost feel like that's why you hire an offensive head coach, because if the coordinator gets poached, at least your head coach is, you know, in control of the offense. He knows the scheme and system to a T. So I do think that uh, the defensive hires, I don't think that will become the new norm. I think this was just, as Jake put it, a weird coaching cycle. But I do think that maybe we're seeing a shift towards, you know, younger, more inexperienced, but yet coaches with a higher with a higher ceiling. Yeah. Uh, well, I do think that uh, some of these spots have done well with the young coaches. Like Antonio Pierce, they brought in like a Marvin Lewis to be uh, associate head coach or something. Love that. Have some experience behind him. Like I said, Gerard Mayo, they brought Van Pelt experienced offensive coordinator and uh ben mcadoo i know a lot of patriots fans weren't like hyped about that but all i'll say is he's not being brought in as a head coach offensively i think he had a couple of top 10 offenses with the giants when he was a coordinator i believe so i'm okay with that now mcdonald like i said we'll have to see offensive coordinator wise who they pick and how they kind of feel how he fills out his uh, coaching situation over there, but I, like I'm fine with it with them going defensive. And as John did bring up, what I was about to go to the whole stuff about Vrabel being intimidating to some GMs is hilarious to me. Is that really what's been going yeah, on? That's what I've heard. I, I well, I got I got to give a shout out to Chris and Mo on the morning show. There was a report that some GMs found Vrabel to be intimidating, which I'm like, okay. Okay, Vrabel was a linebacker in the NFL, pretty big guy. What were you expecting? He's not going to shrink just to to meet you. And if these GMs have like Napoleon complexes out here, then some of these teams are in worse shape than I even thought. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you want your head coach to be intimidating, to command? Like your head coach has to command a room of 53 grown athlete. Like some of these offensive linemen are huge dudes. You can't, it's hard to be intimidating. Like you should be intimidating. You should have respect and all those things. And it's just, that to me is hysterical that people actually thought he was intimidating and took that as a negative. But yeah. What I mean, there's a story that Gerard Mayo like used to walk around practice with a baseball bat in his hand. I mean, that's pretty intimidating, but he got the job. This is weird. And maybe this goes That's to weird. what you're saying, Jake, about it being a weird coaching cycle. Because, I mean, not to put this out there, but it's like the whole variable being intimidating, if it was a minority candidate, like that would be wild to say. And it's just saying yep. that for variable, it's like it's wild to think that coaches, that like GMs and all that really disqualified variable for his physical size. Like that's ridiculous. It's like, do any of these or do some of these organizations like really take winning seriously? I think that's a serious question that some fan bases need to ask themselves. Because like looking at the coaching hires, look, 
I thought Vrabel would have been a good choice in Washington. I don't know if Washington's one of those places where he was intimidating, but if I were a Commanders fan and I found out one day that we got Dan Quinn because Vrabel is too intimidating in the interview, I'm sorry. I'd have to really look at those NBA people that Ben Johnson talked about and be like, maybe this isn't for you. Yep. That's just wild to me that that really came out. Yep. I'll add this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying John said, watch Vrabel join the Steelers staff. Yep. Vrabel was the Steeler linebacker back in the day, and they're hiring Heinz Ward to join the staff also. Okay. It could be good. I'll say this as a Saints fan, I'm really glad that uh, Ben Johnson didn't get a job and Bobby Slowick didn't get a job, the Texans offensive coordinator, because I'm really hoping that the Saints fire their head coach, Dennis Allen, with the season they're going to have. It's not going to be a good team. And then they can hire Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick and fix it. But those are two really good offensive minds that I want coaching my team and they didn't get poached. So as a Saints fan, this was a great cycle because Raheem Morris went to Atlanta and Slowick and Johnson didn't get taken. I think Anthony's going to ask the question that a lot of people are going to ask. Why Eric Bandy can't get a job? He must be bad in interviews. Now, remember, before it used to be minority coaches weren't getting a fair shake. This was a hiring cycle where three went to minority coaches. And once again, I'm not saying like the league has solved its issues with diversity or anything like that. But it's it's going to continue to be a question about the enemy, like, why can't he catch on anywhere? And maybe it's something like Anthony said, maybe Bannemi should just go to college and coach. Maybe that works for him. I don't know, but it, I don't know. It's just weird. Now I did see a rumor that it, what if, what if Andy Reed wins the Super Bowl, retires, would Bannemi be the coach in Kansas city? I, I don't know. But, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you think about the enemy in his situation? Although Flores is also so, out there. I don't even think yep. Flores got an interview, but that's another, that's another story. I'll say this about the enemy, and I'll say this because Washington was on every single Sunday that they were playing in my market. Um, he didn't call great games. He was the offensive coordinator for Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get they had a bad roster. They didn't have a good quarterback. They had a bad offensive line. But when you watch the game, the play con didn't make sense. There are way too many like screens, way too much action behind the line of scrimmage. Wait when they're short yarded situation, the runs are always out of shotgun. And it just felt like things just fell apart. Uh, Sam Howell had a really good first half of the year and then completely fell apart the second half. And I look, I get, he's not the best talented guy, but the, the wheels just completely fell off on the offense and the play calling was just, didn't make sense. He it felt like he was coaching with way better talent than he actually had. And a good offensive coordinator has to look in, at the roster that he has, the players that he has, and construct a playbook that fits his strengths as opposed to trying to enforce what he thinks is the best uh, play calling method to the team. And, and I think that's part of the reason why. And also, he is intimidating. He's a hard ass. He, he rubs people the wrong way, uh, players the wrong way. And that has to take into consideration whether it's good or bad. I mean, if you're going to be a head coach, you do need to have that kind of gravitas. But his play calling, when I was watching it, just left me disappointed because I was expecting more off of what he did in Kansas City. I mean, look, we asked for Damien. It took him a few minutes to jump in. 
look, I, I get your theory, Damien, but the counter to that could be, I would figure if that was such an issue, teams probably wouldn't even bring him, bring him on as an offensive coordinator. They just wouldn't want him anywhere near their team. So I, I get your, your theory, but I don't know if I buy that necessarily. Uh, maybe it is. He, he's a bad interview. Supposedly, that's what they said. Ben Johnson's a bad interview. We'll have to see. Does that mean Ben Johnson kind of goes down the road of Eric the enemy and struggles to get a head coaching job? We'll have to see. But I, I don't know. It's just interesting. Now, to be honest with you, with you between the enemy and Flores, I would say Flores has a bigger argument to get a head coaching job because we saw the job he did in Miami, which was really good. Probably should never have lost that job. With the enemy, he would be like any other coordinator hire. You just never know what kind of head coach he would be. There's no guarantee he's going to be some yep. great head coach. Yep. Again, with him in Washington, it felt like watching what he did in Washington and then watching what Kansas City's done, that offense mm-hmm. is way more Andy Reid's brainchild and factor into their success than Eric B. Enemy. And people were expecting Eric Bieniemy to be this brainchild of Andy Reid. And it just, it wasn't there because he didn't have the right talent for it and he couldn't adapt. And that's, that's a big part of being a head coach is adapting to what you have. And John saying he sees Belichick uh, going to Kansas city when Reid retires to get with Mahomes and get him the coaching record. Uh, oh man. Uh, go ahead, that would be, I think you're about to say something. That'd be nuts. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I was just gonna say, from what I've heard with Eric Bieniemy, that it uh, more so has to do with obviously he has a stigma that he was more of a product of Andy Reid and you know Patrick Mahomes than anything. But also from what I've heard, he's just really bad at interviews. He just can't win over the executives. So I don't think this has anything to do with you know. I don't think at this point I don't think it has anything to do with his play calling, his work, because we've seen you know. Awesome. We've seen offensive assistants that don't necessarily call the plays get hired. Mm-hmm. We've seen Zach Taylor get hired. Nick Sirianni got hired. They didn't call their own plays. I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to Eric Bieniemy, it it just has to do at this point with Eric Bieniemy. I just think that he really bombs the interview, and he can't give the team that he's interviewing a confident like he can't get them sold on the vision that he has for the team. So. I think at this point it's just it's just Derek Bieniemy and he's not hitting these interviews out of the park, which I I don't know for a fact, but if I had to take a guess at this point, I think that's what it is. I mean, hey, for all we know, maybe he's intimidating like Mike Rabel. Who who knows? I, <laughs> that one is still hilarious to me. But um, I guess the last thing I'll say is like the Belichick part of it. I just think. Part of me thinks Belichick still wanted control, and I think these teams weren't ready to give it to him, especially since if you see him coaching, it's probably two, three years tops. Do you want to completely restructure your whole front office for a guy who's only going to be there a couple of seasons? I think that's that's the issue with Belichick. Maybe a year away from it, you know, maybe he, he changes his whole outlook and he gets a job next uh, coaching cycle or – once again, maybe some surprise job opens up, he takes it, and, and then uh, he continues on. But it is, it's definitely weird not having a season with Belichick roaming the sideline somewhere. 
uh, Eric Bannon, me like I got you rings. I got rings. You need me here. LOL. <laughs> uh, Busting up well, the I mean, clay. Yeah. Oh, what did you say, Bray? Not say he's busting out that Clay Thompson argument. I got rings. Hey, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You got to try it. Uh, Damon said the Canals hire was a smart move, in my opinion, with what he did with the Tampa offense, especially being his first year as an OC in the NFL. But six years is too much for someone who's basically a rookie coaching a team. I mean, maybe Canals works. It kind of seems like he might have been maybe one of the only people who might have taken the Carolina job right now. Not to say he won't be a success there, but the, the key is going to be, will Tepper give him an opportunity to fix all the issues in Carolina? Because right now Tepper comes across as a guy who's really impatient and maybe values what he has, you know, in that organization a little bit more than, you know, us on the outside looking in would view it. So if Canales gets a legit shot to fix it, maybe he he does something. I, I don't know. But but we'll see if that was a good hire or not. One uh one hire before you, you know move on from the coaching cycle. Mm-hmm. Last week I was praising the Raiders for getting uh Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. Now obviously yeah. Kingsbury took himself out of the race, but the pivot to Luke gets you, man. Come on. You're telling me you couldn't find a That's better offensive Getsy coordinator yeah. than Luke Getzey? Go look in college. Go look at high school offensive coordinators. Listen, Luke Getzey was terrible. He was awful. That man, the only play he knew how to call was a screen pass. And a not creative ones at that. I think the Raiders went from making one of the best hires to obviously it's out of their control that Kingsbury backed mm-hmm. out. But the pivot to Getzey, uh, that, that's terrible. And that's really going to hurt Pierce. And that's going to bite him in the butt down the road. Yeah. Oh, Damien's happy that he's gone. There you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, for, for all these teams, the coordinator hires and all that will only matter as much as who will be the quarterback. You know, the Raiders need an upgrade of that position. You know, the Patriots will most likely have somebody different at that position. The Falcons need an upgrade. Uh, Tennessee has a young guy who I'm assuming Callahan wants to work with. Washington is Dan Quinn or... Uh, Kingsbury, are they sold on Sam Howell? Probably not with a number two pick and certain quarterback who might be available there that Kingsbury knows a lot. You, you figure probably ends up there. Uh, McDonald with Geno Smith, Drew Locke, like sold on them. I'm assuming they draft somebody uh, at some point during the draft. Harbaugh's really the only one who has a set guy at the quarterback position. Well, Canales has uh, Bryce Young, but he's going to have to, you know, develop Bryce Young as well. But Harbaugh's the only one with a really good quarterback situation out of all these jobs. So that that's going to really determine how these OCs really pan out for these teams. Uh, Anthony has a nice question for us. I know it's way early. Can you pick three coaches that's going to be on the hot seat next season? We always love questions like this. Ah. Uh, Right, who wants, Nick Sirianni. Mike Nick Sirianni's number one. Nick Sirianni, Mike McCarthy have to be number one, number two. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go bold with a third. I'll go uh, Dave Canales because of uh, Tepper's temper. 
He doesn't like to hold on <laughs> to coaches that long. I think that Canales, um, he could be a good coach, but um, mm-hmm. I do, still don't think that Tepper's a good owner, and I think that he could very well let him go after a year if the Panthers struggle. That's that's a pretty good one. Another name I'd throw out there, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Give me, give me Dennis Allen on a hot seat. Please give me Dennis Allen on a hot seat. <laughs> Let him get fired. Uh, look, he was a fantastic defensive coordinator. Don't want to take anything away from his defensive play calling. Please just let him be on the hot seat. I, I'm, I'm done with this little idea of him. He he will be on the hot hot seat, though. I don't think that the Saints are going to be all that great next year and a very still very weak division. And the front office is known like, hey, man, you can't. We can't spend all this money in the weakest division and not make the playoffs, you know, every year. So I think he'll be on there. But the biggest two have to be Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni. I'm surprised both of them kept their jobs. I thought at least one of them would get fired. And I think if the mm-hmm. Eagles start off slow next season with how bad everything ended and how uh, there how much drama there was, he's definitely going to be uh, risk for first coach fired if Eagles start off, you know two and five that like it'll be just a complete disaster all right so john said three coaches he put our eagles sirianni dallas mccarthy vikings o'connell and he said probably solid because rogers is coming back and they don't win more than seven or eight games and then uh damien doesn't see harbaugh change damien has not liked harbaugh with the chargers i i remember you damien i know the narrative you're pushing all right. Uh, let's I'll say this and... for, for Damian real quick. The biggest yeah. problem isn't uh, for the Chargers isn't Harbaugh. It's their cap situation. They're not in a good cap yeah. situation. They have a bunch of free agents and they're an older team. But Harbaugh is going to be a great fit there. It's just how does the GM build up the rest of that roster to maximize their with, within their salary cap limitations? Harbaugh's not the problem. It's their their salary cap. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Uh, all right, so now we'll get into the actual Super Bowl matchup. Uh, hold on. I don't see the Chargers being a first-run team. Bears coach can be on that list uh, also, especially who they draft. That's a good point. But let's go ahead and take a quick word from the network, and we'll be right back to talk about the hey Super Bowl. Hey, I'm Keith. And I'm Jory. And tune in to Hoop Dreams and Touchdown Queens every Saturday at 5 p.m. over on Sports Empire Network. And don't forget, also watch us on Roku TV at Northeast Streaming Productions. Uh, so tune in. Now, we didn't make any picks last week, but I, I just wanted to remind everybody as we have one game left where we are. I, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but whatever. We'll just do this really quickly. <laughs> so with one game left, Jake, 47, 43, and 2. Uh, Brett 27 22 and once with Brett actually took over as he's now five games over and I'm 36 55 and one which in bizarro <laughs> world I would be 55 36 and I'd be winning this so can look at it that way there you but, go man whatever yeah. helps you sleep at night <laughs> there we go if this was golf you'd be dominating us there we go I mean you gotta take the pauses where you can find it right uh, but yeah, so we like I said, got one game left. It's you know got to shed a tear. The Super Bowl. So let's go ahead and break down that matchup now. 
So we're going to break out the matchup in, into a couple of questions here. The first one would be, who has the most pressure? And you don't even have to necessarily pick a player. It's just anybody surrounding this game, who has the most pressure going into it between the Chiefs and the Niners? Uh, start with you, Brett. I actually think this answer is pretty easy. It's Kyle Shanahan. Okay. Patrick Mahomes and company, they've proven they can get it done in the big games. Whereas the 49ers, they've proved they can show up in the big games. One thing that they haven't been able to do, Kyle Shanahan has not been able to coach them to a win in the big game. He's known as a choker. That's We saw it the last time these two teams matched up. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan choke away games back when even when he was an offensive coordinator with the Falcons. So I think that at the end of the day, the guy who has the most pressure, easy. It's the 49ers, but most more specifically, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's got to prove that he can get the job done on the biggest stage of them all. Otherwise, maybe in the next couple of years, if he continues to fall short, we're going to start having questions. Is Kyle Shanahan the right guy to push this team over the top? Okay. Jake, do you agree? Is Shanahan or you think there's someone else? With a no, more that, that's a yeah, that's a great point. Kyle Shanahan definitely has the most pressure. He, uh, everyone, you know, wants to kind of more or less worship his play calling. He's a great offensive mind, all these things. But there's so many moments where he's come up short. He's blown leads. He's mismanaged things and just hasn't been able to get it done. If he loses here, especially if it's some sort of issue where they they fall they blow a lead again that'll be three uh, super bowls where he's blown a big lead whether he was the offensive coordinator or head coach and then you again you have to look and be like man is is he just not going to be fit for the the postseason to get us over the hump um i will say i don't say that the mahomes has pressure because he's already like if he retired after this game and they lose he's a first ballot hall of famer but mm -hmm. the potential that the Mahomes has to win this game and what it does for his legacy. I don't want to call it pressure, but it's huge because if he wins this game, that's back-to-back -back Super Bowls, which we haven't seen since the Patriots uh, was it our second and third Super Bowl in like 04, 05, like years and years and years ago. Teams mm -hmm. don't repeat. So you have that going for him. It would be, what is it? Six years in the league. It'd be six AFC championship games. That would be, how, what four Super Bowls and three wins is his resume? Like that's, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. You get to that point mm -hmm. in your your career when you're 28, like it's like, man, this guy might be better than Brady. He might be the guy that's going to surpass him. So there is some pressure that's there, but at the same time, it's hard to say that there's pressure on a guy who is going to the Hall of Fame. He could retire before the Super Bowl and go to the Hall of Fame. So I'm going to say it's on the 49ers. Uh, you could also say there's pressure on Brock Purdy because he's played really poorly the first uh, the first half of both of their playoff games and kind of gotten some luck to kind of get where they're at. I mean, there's the the drop picks that they had against the Chargers. Uh, Brett, you know all too well against the Packers. There were multiple drop picks that, that could have ended the game. So I think Brock Purdy has a lot of pressure because if he if he plays poorly and doesn't get kind of lucky, and again, to win a Super Bowl, you do have to be lucky. But if there's no footballs bouncing off of helmets and drop picks and they lose and it's because Brock Purdy played bad, then they have to look at saying, okay, is he is he going to be the guy? So I think Brock Purdy has a lot of pressure, but it's it's all in San Francisco because this is 
again, this is also the weakest, weakest Chiefs team they've had in the Mahomes dynasty, Mahomes era. And they're in the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on them. I think it's all in San Francisco. I mean, I would say the most pressure is on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I'm just kidding. Uh, Because I saw John (laughs) coming about. (laughs) I saw John coming about. He wanted me to pick the Chiefs because of what I did to the Ravens. I mean, not saying I didn't purposely pick the Ravens for them to lose, but that's neither here nor there. It happened. I slept well that night. I'm sure Lamar and them didn't. But that's not my problem. I'll say the most pressure would be Brock Purdy. You know, yes, he's been to back-to-back NFC title games. He's now uh, in the Super Bowl. But he still has a lot of detractors who don't think that he's good enough to lead this team to a Super Bowl title. And like you said, in terms of the Chiefs, this has not been the prototypical Chiefs team that we've seen in the past year. So if Brock Purdy's going to get a win over a KC team, then maybe this is his best opportunity with the players that he has around him. Plus, coming off of the the past performances of this playoff run where he's looked bad in instances and then looked really good, I, I feel like people want to see if Brock Purdy can put together four really good quarters and see what the 49ers can do from that. So I would say Brock Purdy. I do agree. Shanahan has a lot of pressure on him, but I'll, I'll go with Brock Purdy. No, no, Brock Purdy is a great answer. Um, I'll just say real quick before I get to the chat. A couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. we played the, you know, would you rather game with Lamar and a bunch of other quarterbacks. If we did that with yeah. Brock Purdy, and again, we're taking him away from the 49ers just on any random team. Like, where does he go in that? Like, how many people do you take above him? Like, that's kind of the, the when you say there's detractors, it's how many people are there? If you were to go to, you know, you pull every available quarterback, he's, you know, average you know, probably 14th, 12th to 14th. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but there's a lot of pressure, especially when, you know, media pundits put him in the MVP comp, uh, conversation. True. Once again, there's a guy who's going to win the MVP, not even here. So Brock Perry's got a leg up there. There we go. Yep. That's, the, that's the last reference of the, of the Ravens, I promise. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, so John said Mahomes won't win more than four Super Bowls. That's his opinion. And uh, Casey put Kadarius Tony in the game and drops a huge throw. I don't think Kadarius Tony sees the field, but you never know. Hey, that's and number one receiver, Kadarius Tony. Hey, Kadarius Tony me to get off Madden because clearly that's the only place <laughs> that he might be the number one wide receiver. Uh, Anthony says, if this is Patrick's last time going, oh, he said that this is Patrick's last time going far if Kelsey retires. Sure. That's interesting. Also, uh, John, if Mahomes wins four Super Bowls, like that's what the second most ever of any quarterback tied for second most. Like that's, yeah, you tie with, he's like almost Montana. That yeah. Montana has four. I think that's the, that, that's almost like a throwaway of like winning four, winning a Super Bowl is really hard. Winning multiples mm-hmm. is really, really hard. So winning four, like that that's a huge accomplishment if it's only happened to like what two quarterbacks yeah definitely still not the goat what well, look um yes i can say he's probably not the goat but you already know they always want to find the next guy you know when jordan retired they they put 
the onus on what Grand Hill, Harold Miner, which was hilarious as Baby Jordan. But you know they looked at Kobe, they looked at LeBron, so they're always going to do that and try to find the next great guy and compare him. And Mahomes just happened to be the best of the crop right now. Whether or not he actually gets there, we'll see. But you, you can't say that he's not the best quarterback in the league. Uh, imagine if Andrew Luck had an O-line. I mean, Andrew Luck came in with a lot of promise. You know, unfortunately, he retired pretty early. That's a, that's a great what if. What if Andrew Luck had an offensive line in Indy? Who knows? And uh, I'll say with Patrick Mahomes, too, like, who knows? Maybe he does win more than four. You can doubt that he wins after Kelsey leaves, sure, but we also doubted he'd go back to the Super Bowl after Tyreek Hill left. Did it. Eric Bieniemy left. People's had doubts. Mm-hmm. Look where they are now. I'm not saying that the offense wouldn't fall off massively, but uh, I'm not at this point. I'm done doubting Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to say that as soon as Travis retires that he won't make another one. Do I think the offense regresses? Yeah, absolutely. They have incredible chemistry, but yeah, doubt Patrick Mahomes at your own peril. Right, and all all that really would happen is if you don't have Kelsey, they could just go a different direction offensively. I mean, you can draft another young tight end. Obviously, won't be Travis Kelsey, but you know, you, you pick the right guy, you can still kind of move on offensively. <laughs> I see Anthony and Damien in the chat there. Who's XMX? He meant CMC. I, I knew what you meant, Damien. It's all good. Damien even crossed over into wrestling, saying that Lamar doesn't deserve the MVP, should go to uh, CMC, but he got the Cody Rhodes treatment. Look at that. Damien just linking it all up. Oh, Appreciate man. that, Damien. Cody Rhodes, man, what a what a reference there. That was that was good stuff. No, I will right say this: when we're talking, right up throws his line in the talking, sand. You can hear more about Cody Rhodes. There you go. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> when we're talking about here about you know Patrick Mahomes and and his legacy, and I know we're kind of going off the subject mm-hmm. here. We have to remember comparing to Tom Brady. We've seen Brady's career like completely finalized. If you would have gone after. Brady's third Super Bowl win, which is about the age of Br- that Mahomes is now, none of mm-hmm. us would have expected for Brady to have the career that he had. Like no one would have expected him to change his game and to go from I'm not going to call Brady's first three run, you know, Super Bowl runs that little window game manager, but he was more of a game manager in his early years than he was in his late career. So to say that, you know, oh, you know, Kelsey retires and not going far, it's just Great teams and great organizations find ways to remain successful. Great quarterbacks find ways to remain successful and to adapt. And that's what Mahomes is. He's he's one of the best we've ever seen do it. And I don't, you know, to say that he's not the GOAT, it almost feels like you're dismissing how truly talented Mahomes is. He's he's fantastic. He's one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, John, look, you already know, as a Patriots fan, I wouldn't call Mahomes the GOAT. But it, this has kind of been – I mean, it was probably worse when Brady was playing. It was clearly the best quarterback, but they were always saying, oh, Manning's better. Oh, Breeze is better. Rodgers is better. For some reason, Brady's always having to go up against somebody. I would say Mahomes is probably the most worthy of the guys that they tried to put up on Brady's level. But, yeah, Mahomes still has work to do if you want to seriously put him as the GOAT. It's just that the the path that he's on right now, I think that's where a lot of people are – bringing up the GOAT talk. We'll have to see how the second half of his career goes, like into his 30s. What does that look like? Um, 
Let's see. Mahomes got skill, got to give his flowers, but he won't get more Super Bowls like everyone thinks. We'll see. You never know. It, yes, it's tough to win in the NFL, but who who knows what the rest of the AFC does the next coming years? We don't know if Mahomes might not end up back here another couple of times. Like, will Buffalo get their stuff together? Will Baltimore ever figure it out? Will, you know, Cincinnati get in Mahomes' way? Will Herbert and the Chargers figure it out? Like, we, we just don't know what the AFC will look like the next five years. Most of your quarterbacks were hurt this year. Yeah, very true. But but also, at the same time, like, I mean, I don't want to make this into a big thing, but you can make the argument, like, you have to be lucky. Like, there were moments where the Patriots got very lucky as well with some of the things that broke their way, being in a really bad division. Like, we can go back and forth here, and I'm not going to take anything away from Brady, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you, you know, John, you mentioned that how many conference championships in a row did he get to? Mahomes has always been in the conference championship. Every year he's been a starter. Like he's on the path. He's and he's probably, you know, I would say bare minimum, his career is going to be second best we've ever seen. It's kind of like the expectation. Like he's it's hard for me to look at a situation where I'm going to go, yeah, you know, Montana was better or Peyton Manning was better. Like it's just what he's doing is fantastic. Yeah. Lucky. Every lucky, every lucky Super Bowl champion is lucky, John. <laughs> every time to- every team that wins a Super Bowl is lucky. You have to be lucky. And it doesn't take away from greatness. It absolutely yeah. does not. Although remember when Tony was offsides, it took away greatness of that play with Travis Kelsey. We missed out. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the most pressure. Got another question for you. The biggest key. So we're going to take a look at the Chiefs. Niners, give me your biggest key for victory for both teams. Start with Brett on this one. I think with the 49ers, it's really simple. You got to clean it up on offense. You can put yourself behind. You put yourself behind Detroit. It worked out for you. You put yourself behind the Packers. worked out for you. Put yourself behind Mahomes, you're done. It's over. Kansas City has played perfect football or pretty close to it this entire offseason. Mahomes has not made many mistakes. So I think the biggest key for the 49ers offense, don't turn the ball over. Play clean football because if you put yourself behind one or two scores, this ain't the Packers, this ain't the Lions, you're going to end up burying yourself. The Kansas City Chiefs, simple. Let Isaiah Pachenko loose. The one thing that the 49ers have shown, this team is vulnerable to the run. And I know Mahomes, you know, they'll want to see Mahomes go nuts, but I think their biggest key to win, run Pachenko, run him, run him, and then let Mahomes play off the play action. So I see it even simplify the game for him. So make it easier on him. So biggest key for the Chiefs, Dominate with the run game, 49ers offensively. You just take care of the football. Don't put yourself behind. All right. Jake, biggest key. Those are those are great points. My key for each team, and it's the same key. What's gonna going on in the second half? That's that this game is gonna be won with how each team responds in the second half. The Chiefs defense, the second half, uh, in the second half of games for 
all of the postseason and like the second half, last half of the regular season has like given up double digit points in the second half. For whatever reason, their their defense is able to at halftime make all the adjustments, put the pressure on and hold teams to almost nothing as far as points and offensive yardage goes. On the flip side, the Kansas City Chiefs offense has also been pretty mediocre when it comes to what they can do in the second half. We saw that they really didn't do much in the AFC championship game and they just they they score early and they just kind of game manage to go there. Whereas the 49ers, we've seen in the playoffs, they've fallen behind. They've had to dig themselves out of holes and they've gotten kind of lucky. How is Cal Shanahan going to play? How is he going to coach when if they're behind in the second half and Kansas City's defense is more dialed in and they're playing ball control? How is that going to happen? How good is Kyle Shanahan's second half offensive game plan going to be compared to the Chiefs defensive game plan that's so good and the Chiefs offense, which seems to be willing to kind of play ball control and trust that their defense is going to make the right decision. Uh, I feel like Patrick Mahomes is at a, at this point in his career is like, I don't need to make the big yards. I, I could throw for tens of yards, but I just don't need to turn the ball over and we need to protect leads. And that's kind of what he's done this postseason. And it's been great. But for me, what, what the game plan is and the execution in the second half is going to completely determine the game. If the chiefs, play the second half football like they have all year, they're going to win the Super Bowl. If the 49ers, you know, do their typical Kyle Shanahan play from behind in the second half and don't win, then it's, they're going to lose. It's That's going to come down to the second half and the adjustments that are made at halftime. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with both of you on that one. So I will say for the, for the Niners, don't do what Baltimore did and not play within yourself and do what you normally do. This is because the Chiefs have one way that they are comparable comparable to the Patriots. Teams, when they go up against them, feel like they have to get outside of themselves and be something they're not to take them down. And a lot of times they get in trouble. Once again, Baltimore tried it with Lamar throwing more than we'd ever seen. It didn't work. So whatever works for the Niners, stick with it. You know, a lot of Christian McCaffrey, you know, Brock Purdy has to be able to control his first half issues with turnovers. You know, we saw in the second half last, well, two weeks ago, I guess at this point, he used his legs a lot more. He, he's going to have to do that from the start. They got to start off fast if they want to hang with Kansas City. For the Chiefs, I just feel like it's the guys on the outside, Rice, MVS, there's going to come moments in this game where those guys are going to have to make big catches. And we know that for some players, the moment of the Super Bowl can be too big. Look, MVS has all of a sudden started making big catches. And Rice, I think, is probably the most dynamic player that they have on the outside. So those two guys are going to be very key for Kansas City. And I agree that Pacheco has to be a consistent part of the, of the offensive game plan. But Rice and MVS will... will be a big determining factor for the Chiefs in this game. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, MVS and Pacheco, and then the Niners, it's got to be don't fall victim to the mentality that you have to all of a sudden change up everything to beat the Chiefs. Stick to your strengths. Those are all good, good points. One real easy key for each team, just run the ball. I think a lot of people are expecting this to be a yeah. really high-scoring game because – the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and we're just expecting them to kind of 
get to this moment where they're going to put up 35 points. And we all know what Cal Shanahan can do, call him the game. Both these defenses can be run on. They can they are susceptible to the run. Both these teams have really good running games. Just run the ball. I think this is going to be a faster Super Bowl. There's going to the clock's going to move pretty quick. And I think if both teams want to be successful, they just need to run the ball because that's where the uh, weakness is on the defense. All right, so John has a question. Over under 19 flags or 150 yards penalties. Oh, under, under, under. Yeah. Refs don't want to be uh, uh, make a big deal of it. They don't want to be the story for it. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Jawan Taylor is the most penalized uh, what lineman yeah. in the league. There's a good chance Bosa lines up across from him. That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch between those two all, all, I mean, all game. But yeah, we'll, we'll all take the under. All right, so now we've gone through the pressure. We've gone through the key. There's only one thing left to do. Who wins? The Niners are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think a lot of people are still surprised that the Niners are the favorite going into this game. But they are. Two-and-a-half points over the Chiefs. So, uh, start with you, Jake. How are you picking this game? I'm going with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win outright. Uh, I think at this point... Um, you can't vote. You can't go against Mahomes. I, I think what they've done, they, they went into Baltimore last week, a team that was bullying every team in the league, including bullying uh, San Francisco in the regular season. And they just punched him in the mouth and just, just owned them. I mean, it, it wasn't a, a close game despite what the score was. And at, at this point, I just think the chiefs, I just can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I think the Niners are a great team, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won. It's kind of a, a heart and head where logically, I think the Niners are the better and more complete team, and they should win. But I thought that about the Ravens. I thought the Ravens were the more complete team. They on paper, they had all the stats to back it up, and the 49ers, or sorry, the Chiefs were just better. Uh, the heart says, you know what? I just can't go up against Mahomes and Andy Reid in the moment, and I'm going with the Chiefs to win uh, outright. Okay. Brett, how do you see this going? I will take the Chiefs to cover, but uh, I'll take the 49ers to win. I think this is finally the year that uh, Kyle Shanahan, he, I, think he learned from his mis- I think he learned from his mistakes. He's not going to get too cute. Hand the ball to CMC, control the clock. Keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. That'll be huge. And I think this is the year that he finally wins the big one. So I'll take the Chiefs to cover, but I think the 49ers pull it out. All right, so Damien goes 45 to 30. If we are back here oh. next week and it's the Niners winning 45 to 30, I, I don't even know what I would do. There's no way that many points are scored, but who knows? It's it's the NFL. Uh, this almost reminds me of Kansas City versus the Bucks Super Bowl year. Brady wasn't putting up huge numbers. Give me the Niners defense. So John has told me that I better pick the Chiefs knowing my record. Um, it's the Super Bowl. We're all zero and zero at this point. Okay, clean slate. <laughs> uh, I have gone back and forth on this one. I I think I'm kind of leaning Brett's way, except for I'm going to take the Niners and the two and a half. I I, I can see the Niners winning this 27-24. I feel like it's going to be a wildly entertaining game. 
I think I also agree with you, Jake, that I think we'll see a really quick moving game. <laughs> if you jinx, you get the sacrifice of pinky toe. That's not happening, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hey, I'm either the greatest jinx ever or maybe the lights are the brightest. I come through in the clutch with a great prediction. But, uh, yeah, I'll go 27-24 Niners. I, I think Purdy puts together his most complete playoff game, and we see Shanahan exercise the demons of Super Bowl's past. And, look, it's not, it's not going to be a game that I think would kill Mahomes' legacy, but I, I just feel like the Niners have a lot to play for in this one. I mean, obviously the Chiefs do as well, but I think the Niners are going to use a lot of what they've gone through. I think with the the addition of CMC might force Shanahan to not go away from the run, which is what hurt him in Atlanta. And I think because of that, the Niners pull it out in the end, 27-24. So Anthony asks, what's the over and under? I can give you that here in a second. When when I looked, I think I saw it was 47 and a half last time I saw. Okay, let me see. Let me see if it's changed in any way. It is. It is 47 and a half, yeah. So I guess I'd be taking the over 27-24. That's a really well-placed uh, over-under. I mean, that is pretty good, yeah. Things said with how high the Super Bowl tickets prices are, this better be a high-scoring game. I mean, 27-24 isn't terribly low-scoring. John has 28-26, and I know you picked the Niners, so okay. So you'd have the Chiefs covering. All right. Got one last graphic. I mean, look, we got about 10 minutes to go. So you guys in the chat can throw out any last questions. But the one thing I'll say is everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. You know, enjoy your whatever your Super Bowl meal is. Enjoy the halftime show because, you know, Usher got hits on hits. I'm expecting it to be very entertaining. You know, I think some might not. I think it'll be a good one. But, yeah, you have our picks. Jake likes the Chiefs to cover, went out right. Brett has the Chiefs covering, but the Niners winning, and then I have the Niners winning outright. So if you believe in John that I'm the jinx, put your mortgage payment on the Chiefs to cover. <laughs> uh, I got to ask yeah, here while we're wrapping up, what's yeah, everyone's must-have uh, Super Bowl food? Like everyone, if you have your party or if it's just you and family, you and a couple friends, what's the one dish you have to have, whether it's snack appetizer main entree that you have to have every year for the super bowl i've asked this before to a whole lot of people i just like picking people's uh uh brains for that that's a good one that's a good one uh i mean you want to take this one brett yeah well i, I can go first since i already have my answer obviously for that um mine is oddly enough is sushi uh, for me, I was okay. introduced to sushi at a Super Bowl party that my dad uh, invited a friend over. His friend's wife was from Japan and she would hand make sushi. And I was eight or nine and she came over. They think it was like four or five years in a row, brought sushi over. And when they moved to Boston, um, we just kept getting sushi because it was kind of expected that we always had sushi. And so even here, what's, you know, my dad and my wife are here, we're, our, our big budget item is sushi. Like we'll do cheaper pizza, cheaper wings. You have to have wings, have to have pizza, but we'll spend our big money on, on high quality sushi. 
I say I, I keep mine simple. I'm I'm a Buffalo wing dude. Give me some mild wings, go. and I am super content. <laughs> wings are are my second. Like I I need a whole bunch of wings, man. Yeah, can't go wrong there. Uh, I mean, for me, it's probably a pizza. But I know, like, um, uh, my mom will like to do some like uh, barbecue meatballs type thing. Ooh, nice little finger food to have during the game. So uh, I got to go with that. Uh, Anthony said, enjoy the Super Bowl in the 100 car commercials. I do love the commercials. Hopefully that they're a good crop this year. Have you and seen that Paramount Over? Plus commercial that's been going on? Uh, the one with Matt Ryan in the ice cream truck? Uh, no, it has um, uh, the Star Trek guy, John Luke Picard, uh, Patrick Stewart in there. I think it's Paramount. It might be Peacock. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think I yeah, I think I saw that one like once. I've seen a lot of the Matt Ryan one. Yeah, that that was a pretty good one. That was pretty good. That was pretty funny. Uh Dean said nachos and no, it's not because I'm meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nachos are awesome. Like yeah, nachos, nachos work. You can't, yeah. you can't go wrong with nachos, man. Like those are always awesome. I just uh, need John a says, dip with chips, sloppy joes, and mixed liquor punch bowl. There you go. Okay. I, I just need a commercial to mess with everybody, like the Tubi commercial last year. That's all I need. <laughs> oh, what happened with that, that one? That, that's the one where the, it started off with like the powering off of a TV, and everybody thought <laughs> their TV that's turned right. off. <laughs> I remember that, that mess with me super bad. I was like, "What the heck's going on?" That'd be great. Yeah. I'd love another one like that. Yeah, I always love creative commercials. Uh, Damien also said, over, under, Taylor Swift will be the spotlight of the whole game unless Jason Kelsey's there. Once again, I, I get it. A lot of people are over the Taylor Swift part of it. She doesn't play a down. Who cares? The NBA loves doing this. When they show Lakers games, they show the celebrities there. Nick games, they show celebrities there. That, that's just how it is. Uh, okay, Anthony has a good question here. Who do you think is going to be a special guest for the halftime show? Because we know every artist likes to bring out people. And the good thing is with Usher, there's endless amounts of people he could bring out. He could go Little John for some, yeah. He could go, um, I know he has a song with like the, the dude from BTS or something, that like John Cook could bring him out. Endless number. So who do you think would be a special guest? Man, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm so out of touch with hip hop that I don't <laughs> even know. And I'm just I'm just going to enjoy where, who it is and enjoy okay. the show. I'm really looking forward to the show because I love Usher. But, like, I'm so out of touch. I'm not even going to try and pull an answer out of out of my butt. Like, there's. <laughs> I mean, you could have gone totally random. Pick some random person. It'd be fine. Uh, I, I need to have to I need it to be my new favorite rapper, uh, Eli Manning. That uh, Pro Bowl <laughs> that he did was absolutely hilarious. Uh, eh, that'd be good. Uh, I mean, Anthony, you can put who you think the special guest will be. I'm going to think. Let's see. I think it's got to be Little John. Little John has to come out. I can I can see that, and that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I, I'm pretty sure he'll probably have more than one, but I'll just say Little John. All right. I still got like three or four minutes. 
Uh, John said Little John or Jay Z. Yeah, that, that's probably a safe bet. Okay. Jay Z would be dope. That'd be that'd be freaking cool. Uh, betting odds. I don't know why Alicia Keys is on top. Interesting. Ooh. There you go. That could hmm. be fun. Okay, that's 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 interesting. Daniel said the only Super Bowl commercial he cares about is Deadpool 3, even though the Marvel movies suck right now. I mean, as somebody who, who really likes Marvel, I, I guess there's a bit of a bit of a lull in Marvel right now, but it's okay. They've been on a heater for so long, they're allowed to have a down period. But I, I would be excited to see some Marvel commercials. Yes. Betting odds, Alicia Keys, that's weird. Damien, Chili, and Usher reunion. I'm gonna probably say that one probably won't happen. Damien, log off. Marvel is number one. I'm there with you, Anthony. I think Marvel is number one. <laughs> I'll say I do agree. They're having a bit of a down period right now. You know, Marvel's still great, but they're in a little bit of a. They're trying to almost figure out what their next move is. Yep. That's okay. It's fine. Enjoy what enjoy what you had. You can always watch it on Disney Plus. You can relive all the cool stuff that was there, anyways. Yeah. They'll they'll be back. They'll be back to making uh, more heaters. I I believe that. Uh, the the Alicia Keys thing is still kind of throwing me off. I know they have a couple of songs together, but I don't know if those are like Super Bowl halftime worthy songs. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, all right. So, you know, got a couple minutes. So. Final words, uh, Jake, before we get out of here. Man, let's just enjoy the game. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your family. Just And let's just hope for good. Regardless of who you're rooting for, I just want an entertaining game. If it could be great like last year's game, I'm happy. Just en- entertain me. That's what it's all about. Brett? Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping for a good game. And uh, make sure you all tune in to Line in the Sand coming up at 830. There you go. There you go. Watch it. Ludacris. That's that's also a very good chance of happening as well. Uh, yeah, I'll say for me, yeah, just enjoy the game. You know, if you're going to bet, bet responsibly. Like I work for the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, I going to hear that a lot. Bet responsibly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't go too crazy, especially with the Taylor Swift stuff and all that. Focus on the game. She will be shown. Prepare yourselves for that. Hopefully, great commercials. Hopefully, the Super Bowl halftime is really good. And, yeah, well, once it hits zeros and the game's over, we'll all cry a little bit because the NFL season will officially be over. But luckily, with the NFL, they make it a 12-month thing. We'll go right into draft mode and all that. So it doesn't fully go away, but the game's on the field. We'll end this Sunday. Uh, uh, Just for giggles, I may take heat for this, but Usher and Diddy. Damien's just, I mean, there's probably no chance that he shows up, but you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Damien. Damien, I appreciate you. I will say that. Uh, but yeah, so make sure you guys are back here next week where we will actually recap the Super Bowl and everything, see who came out on top, see where the game was blown, and then, yeah, we'll get into some more sports talk. But uh, appreciate all of you in the chat for myself, Jake. Uh, Gardy 3, and I'm Kyle, of course. This is The Big 3. We'll see you next week. Good night. Enjoy the rest of it. We'll see you.